Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm in Accenture as a doc, and here with Julius Spillane, business sponsor of, for Code Dojo at Accenture, and Rosa Langhammer, head of Code Dojo, Raspberry Pi Foundation. Good morning, ladies. How are you doing? Good morning. Well. How are you? Great, thanks. Tell us a bit about why Accenture got involved with Kododojo, because we all know Kododojo is basically uh, it's like a, a foundation to help children to code. Yeah, so I guess Accenture's journey with Kododojo goes back several years, 2016. Um, and Accenture, so take a step back, Accenture has our Global Skills to Succeed program, which effectively has us as employees in a position where we're, we're looking to equip uh, 3 million people with skills, digital skills for yeah. the marketplace by the end of uh, 2020. Um, and then, so I, I got involved, and actually an ex-Accenture um, team member, Mary Maloney, actually moved to Coda Dojo after she left Accenture. So there's always been a connection between yeah. the teams. Um, and Mary and I would have talked about, wouldn't it be great if Accenture could connect with Coda Dojo and maybe do more than just Ireland, do something about our with our global scale? So I guess then I was lucky enough as we established the DOC, which is our um, flagship innovation center. Uh, we established that in 2015 and, and I was leading that and led that for the first three years. And then I guess I, I was in a position to actually do something with the relationship with Coder Dojo. So we set up the first dojo, which is um, you know, one of these coding clubs for yeah. kids in the dock in uh, early 2016. Um, and really for us, that was about us engaging our employees. Yeah. Um, we have so many people who want to do what we call digital volunteering, so use their technology skills. Uh, we really wanted to connect more broadly with the community and the marketplace. Um, so we uh, approached Coda Dojo and we said we'd like to set up a club and they said brilliant, uh, come on board. They connected us with multiple other dojos who were already up and running. Um, and then Justina and Ross from Coda Dojo actually spent quite a bit of time with us helping us to get it right. Yeah. Um, but I remember that first day um, we, we approached different uh, um, different um, schools and different community groups locally. But I remember that first day, I mean literally we started at 6 o'clock. And the anticipation, we didn't know if anybody was going to show yeah. up, any kids were going to be there. And we had so many volunteers and our, our HR, our head of HR was taking names at the door. And we had nearly 30 kids showed up that first day. Um, and it was chaos, but it was fantastic. We were doing scratch and we were doing some robotics and there were kids writing on walls in the office. Yeah. We just, we were hooked from that first day. Um, I mean, it connected, I guess, our employees into the community. It connected the dock with other parts of Accenture. And for us all, anybody who showed up, you know, really was passionate about this and really passionate about teaching kids to code. So, I mean, that was the very beginning for us, that one dojo. Everything yeah. starts with one, right? Yeah. Because remember, when I was a kid, I lived in Fulham, Egypt, and we just got our first computer, Big 20. And yeah. I remember that when we were there, the ESP were, were doing projects in, in, in Cairo. And one of the head of the IT guys was an Irish guy called Bob. And now and again, he come across my house, we have a barbecue, and he teach me some programming skills as a right. kid. And I'm thinking, that's one thing that I was looking to have. And then later when Kojoja came, came around, I got involved for a while as a, uh, one of the mentors in the Freedom Science Gallery. Brilliant, yeah. And I always felt that, as a kid, I was given a chance. And that was great semesters actually given to other kids, giving them that chance. And a lot of the kids are getting child Kids who uh, I've seen now wouldn't have got it at school or yeah. anything else. And the people maybe from backgrounds where it's not, it's, it's not uh, the kind of thing they'd normally be given. Yeah. I was lucky because in a sense, 
living in a country like abroad Egypt and having a computer, uh, back in that, it, it was privileged and one would have that. Yeah. And nowadays, computers are basically, everyone's got one more, it's cheap to buy, you can afford one. So in other words, you're giving kids a chance on uh, anything they can learn digitally wise is going to give them a better chance in life. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if you think about it, well, you know, every kid, I guess, you know, as they're growing up, has a smartphone or a computer. Yeah. But they're users. And, and we really have to, I think, help our kids to have an interest to get it, you know, around the back, yeah. the back end and really understand it. So from my perspective, you look at all the research about how jobs are going to change into the future. For me, I, I really believe that coding is almost the language of the future. Yeah. You know, a, a kid who learns coding in, in Coder Dojo may not be a computer programmer in the future, but they got behind the screen, they got to understand what the building blocks look like, and I think that's an incredible skill <clears throat> that all of our kids should have to actually be able to you know, yeah. make the right choices in the future. I think if someone at school has been taught uh, French, Spanish, or Italian, or whatever language, why not computer language? Because mm-hmm. you said, if they don't use it, any job that they might be in the future, if they understand how the building blocks work, exactly. they can promote it. Yeah. yeah, and I think for Coder Dojo, it's really about being creators, not consumers. Yeah. So you can go into a job in government, in medicine, um, not just as a computer scientist, but understanding the basic building blocks of technology is going to help you and empower you no matter where you go. And that was really one of the core things when Bill Lau and, and James Welton started Coder Dojo yeah. in, in 2011, mm-hmm. that they were thinking about, you know, there there is so much power in technology. At that point, it wasn't being taught in schools. Um, here in Ireland, when they set up the first dojo in Cork, it was about creating a fun and social place to yeah. learn about technology so kids could share their ideas and really work on something that they were super passionate mm. about. Yeah, because I would look, when I was at school here way back in the early 80s, my school would look like we had a computer computer lab and we were taught how to use computers. Yeah. And obviously it was a private school, but I was lucky that we were given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And back then, my school thought that computers were, were going to be the future and they went ahead and did that. And nowadays, it's basically it's it's common part of curriculum that it should be anyway. Any yeah. school that doesn't do that, I don't know what they're doing because the future is that, and not basically relearning Irish or, or French or language that mightn't be of use to them. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both together yeah. because it's interesting. While the technology is important, I, I think some of the broader skills combined with technology are yeah. important. So even if you take the doc here, so we're a big global um, you know, R&D centre for Accenture, but almost we're not just focused on technology. So we would say what we you need is design skills yeah. because you've got to think about it from a human perspective. Like we almost can't consume all the technology yeah. coming at us. So you have to think about it from the design perspective. You think about the technology perspective, whether that's coding, whether it's artificial intelligence, IoT. And then I guess from a business perspective, you need to figure out the business perspective too because if you have amazing technology, and people want it, but they can't afford it. You've yeah. got to get that triangulation together. So I think it's, it's a really interesting combination of things together. And I think Coder Dojo have done a really good job of that. On um, you know, Whether it's something as simple as Scratch. Scratch brings the design element. Yeah. So kids are looking at their sprites, and it's something they really resonate with. Their little characters dancing around, etc. But it's finding a way to bring the technology to children in a way in which children can consume it. And as they get older, it can get more complex, but it's... What's that interface that yeah. allows people to really resonate with it? And also give them digital skills so that, in other words, they will then know in the early age what they can and can't do. I know there's, oh, I can't be a programmer because I can't think the way you program thinks, but I can see how we should look on the screen and, and I, I, can des- I can make sure that when, when a user uses the product, I know how, how they should be able to use exactly. it. I can l- look in their brain and see basically, if I'm using this, 
it's got to be two clicks away. It has to be so easy to use. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I think it, in, in Kuru Dojo, it's particularly about in education as well. Now, we're thinking more about 21st century skills. So while things are kind of broadly applicable to most things in the future, so you're thinking about not only computer programming, but teamwork, critical thinking, creativity is super important. So that user-centered design, how do kids make projects that are about the people that they're building yeah. it for? And that's something that even young people really take on as they're coming through Coder Dojo and they'll start interviewing people, doing user interviews. Yep. And that's real life tangible skills that actually you would bring into the area of software engineering or into kind of software design and, and in general in business and life. Yeah, and also I guess it's teamwork because if, you, if you're not working as a team, then there's guys I know who programmers only work for themselves and so nobody else, but those guys are guys that won't get far because they're not used to working as a team. And with a team, yeah. you get more done. Because you know if you've got a problem and you can't fix it, your team can't help you. Yeah, you bring all those skills together. I yeah. think Coolest yeah. Projects. Do you want to talk about Coolest Projects? I think yeah. that's a brilliant example of that long or medium-term teams, all different skills working together. Yeah, so Coolest Projects is actually an idea that was brought about by two Coder Dojo volunteers, uh, Katie Chapman and Noel King, um, from the DCU Dojo. And yeah. they saw that kids were coming to their dojo and they were learning a bit of Scratch, maybe a bit of Python, doing a bit of robotics. Yeah. But sometimes they were kind of just drifting off or they weren't staying engaged and staying kind of in the dojo for a long period of time. So they created a showcase event called Coolest Projects. The first one was actually hosted in Intel, and it only had 19 projects. And, you know, uh, yeah. these kids brought along their ideas. It was websites, it was games, it was apps. Um, and they showca- showcased them to other kids, but also to the general public. Yeah. Um, since then, it's grown to an event uh, of about 700 projects, uh, which is in the RDS. And this year it'll be, in 2020, it'll be in, on June the 6th. And the idea is really for kids to bring their projects they've been working on, whether they're a work in progress or they're a totally finished um, project. And some of them are really fantastic real-life concepts um, that they've brought to life. Some are fantastic scratch games that are really mm-hmm. addictive yeah. and playable yeah. and fantastic. Um, and really it's about, yeah, how do you bring um, an idea to fruition for those young people um, and showcase them and get inspiration to go to the next level again. So you might be creating a scratch game, which is, you know, using a visual programming language in your first yeah. year, which is drag and drop. But then you might see that someone beside you has done something a bit more complex with Python or um, using HTML and CSS. And you might decide that's my next step and that's where I want to go. Because I used to mentor years ago in, in, in Science Gallery when I was doing it, it was one kid there he was using scratch a lot and he was getting bored what to do next i said why not try something something a bit like uh angry birds yeah use something like that uh uh, for your scratch and that might get you more interesting because that's got so many different levels on a simple uh, on on the game but so easy or years ago a game called lemmings remember Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that was very similar (laughs) in the sense that it was it was so simple and stupid but it worked yeah. I said, if you use something like that, I said, back in my day with lemmings, now it's, now it's angry birds. But you use something like that, and the kid was so impressed. And one day, I couldn't make it that I was uh, off sick, and he wondered where I was, because he missed me not being there, because right. I, I, I give him all the great advice. And, I, and that's the kind of thing. And with the good projects, I've, I went to the second and third one in, in, uh, when I was in a, uh, RDS, and I saw all these projects. This is great, because it motivates him to do something else, because if you're sitting there, just each week doing a game or something or do a Python, do nothing fancy, and that's it. And just been told this is how you program. In fact, you got a chance to win a prize and showcase what you've done to a wider audience. That's great. 
Yeah, and I think it's amazing as well. A lot of industry experts come even just to look around and, mm-hmm. and talk to the young people. So they'll give them advice. And so Evan Upton, who's one of the co-founders of Raspberry Pi, uh, was judging in coolest projects in the US version, actually. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to look for him because I was running the judging team and I was kind of yeah. scouting around the venue. And next thing I saw, he was just crouched down beside <laughs> this one young boy who had made a fantastic program with, with the Raspberry Pi and he was sitting debugging it with him and this is you know one of the inventors yeah. of, of a computer yeah. um, but you see that all the time you know kids really love to see inspiration be asked difficult questions about their projects and I think it's another thing that you see at Coolest Projects all the time is is that teamwork so how did they break down roles um, a kid recently told me that they were the chief technology officer of their project and their yeah. friend was the chief design officer Brilliant. and while well, they were making their um, fantastic multiplayer uh game I think it was like you know a platform game that you had to go through these different worlds um so there was a design the design person and there was the chief technical officer and so you really see them kind of bringing that to life it's fantastic because years ago when I was in school it was sorry dancing was quite a big when I was younger I did it with my sister I didn't but she won a couple of medals and everything else and I'm thinking the co-dojo is kind of something that you get you to win something win a prize and then as you're growing older it becomes a career yeah or it can be career. It's interesting because um, we, we um, in the dojo here, we've been involved in coolest projects and really trying to encourage the kids to get involved. But my, my son did a project with his friend and they're in different schools. So they've never actually yeah. worked together in some They're playing the G, same GA team, but never worked together. And they, they found it really challenging to work together. Um, because they had to lay out the different roles and you know they, they had to do it themselves at home and come back together. But I think actually it cemented their friendship because they actually had to get to know each other on a completely different level as yeah. well. And teamwork is not easy. But the, the quicker you learn, as you say, yeah. not to just throw down your toys and say, well, I'll do it on my own. The quicker you learn, the earlier you learn to do things in yeah. a team, I, I think the better as you go through. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'd like to find a when they were doing Song for Europe. And have to work together. My lovely horse. Yeah, and they, they, and they couldn't actually. And at one point, you see, you see Tay get angry, play the F and no, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's because they weren't used to working together on that level. They knew each other as friends, but not yeah, not yeah. as working colleagues. And I guess co-dojo, you can see kids sitting there going. Come on, do this. Yeah. yeah, we had another really interesting example of that kind of teamwork, but it was, it was quite yeah. different. So we, we run a, another competition called AstroPie, which is where kids send their code to space. Yeah. Um, one of the kind of prerequisites of that is that you have to be within an ESA country to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, except that some of our community in Cotodojo from Argentina really, really wanted to take part. So right. they went and they, you know, wrote in our forums and, and in some of the kind of cross-community channels. And they were like, hey, does any do any dojos want to team up with us? But you have to be in an ESA member state <laughs> yeah, because brilliant. we're not. Yeah. So they ended up working with a dojo um, in Belgium. So you had this wow. kind of Belgian-Argentinian collaboration. Yeah. They were creating a project to send to space, like a, a science experiment, essentially. Yeah. I think it was around temperature uh, monitoring. And um, it was really fantastic. But you see that they had to yeah. do what we all do now in terms of remote working with different offices yeah, yeah. across yeah. the world, which is something you know Accenture is extremely familiar with. Yeah. And um, these kids are learning to do that at the age of 10, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess 20 years ago you couldn't do that because technology, if it was there, you couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now if you're in FaceTime with somebody, you're all Skype with them, it's easy to do. Yeah, yeah. 
So it, it's you, you gave the example of Accenture working across different um, countries. Um, so as I said, we set up the first dojo in Accenture globally here. And obviously Accenture is a giant company. We're nearly uh, half a million people globally. But we, I guess after we set up our initial dojo here, what, what, what can be good about Accenture is if you've got an idea, we've got this massive global community yeah. that we can scale stuff. So we had this idea here that if we took what we've learned in the one dojo, yeah. um, we could potentially get other dojos ar around the world. So uh, we did what we did, did. We applied for a little bit of funding from our Global Skills to Succeed program and got a project stood up. Um, and actually over the, the next year, we went from one dojo to nine dojo, the next year from nine dojos to 22 dojos. And just incredible to see the interest our employees have in volunteering and actually the way they do it, we've done it quite differently in different countries because yeah. in some countries it's just, you know, employees, kids, some countries it's, you know, a broader community. In some countries we've partnered up with external, with government even. Um, and I mean, it's anywhere from Brazil and Colombia. I have nothing in Argentina. I was telling Rose I was yeah. in Argentina last week. There might be a connection we can make there. Uh, we, we have dojos in Europe, in India. Um, in uh, in Asia as well but one of the things that we've loved and actually it came from our um, Maria Varley who's our champion here this idea to connect the dojo in Ireland in Colombia and in Mexico together yeah. and then she did effectively a big thing at, at the weekend where we connected all those dojos together you know connected on massive screens so the kids were actually collaborating with each other so you know a you know different time zones b different language <laughs> but it was incredible almost like the technology yeah. was the the language um, neutralizer overall. And I think it's things like that. You get this incredible window into the rest of the world that I think you know, just stimulates that interest in that continuous learning. It's like when I, when I was a kid, I had a pen pal in Japan. She used to send me stickers. Yeah. This is like the modern equivalent of your pen pal in, in Japan. And it was brilliant. Yeah. Sharing scratch games and yeah. how to do things yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I guess also, you involved Raspberry Pi. And Raspberry Pi is something that basically... It's just easy for kids to, to buy. You can buy it in stages, so you can upgrade it as you go along, which means you're not going to spend a lot of money on it. Yeah, so it's a low-cost, high-power computer. Yeah. Um, you can use it as your desktop computer, you know, replace your laptop altogether. You can use it for maker projects. So we see a lot in Coder Dojo mm. that, that kids are using Raspberry Pi to, you know, power LEDs to create really advanced um, IoT-type projects um, and hardware projects. Um, but it really does, it opens up the world of, um, of really discovering what, what technology is yeah. because it is a bare chip you have to learn how to program it yourself from scratch um you don't get kind of a, a clear interface you know like your os or windows yeah. you you know you get straight into that with a raspberry pi you have to start it up you have to set it up yourself and um, so it has massive uses in education but it's also used really broadly in industry as well i remember a few years ago i was at a conference and everyone in the conference got the guests who was at it and media there got a big huge mug about this a big huge mug coffee mug and I wonder why and inside the mug was a Raspberry Pi series model B everyone got that that's why the mug was so big and thinking that's a great gift Yeah. so even if somebody was attending and they wouldn't use it I know that they would give somebody who would use it yep. yeah absolutely yeah definitely it's, it's super useful I think um, we've seen the, uh, it get a lot more powerful in the past year with the, the series the series 4b plus yeah. um which is fantastic and um i've actually started to use mine as a desktop and so for my daily kind of work which is great um but i i can't wait to see in the next year particularly the next series of close projects actually mm -hmm. um what kids have been able to put that kind of higher cpu to use um in their projects definitely 
So. Yes, people use theirs as a media service. And nowadays, you've got, when you've got Amazon Alexa, if you could have Alexa linked up to that as well, there'd be something amazing that's going to happen, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I guess basically, uh, your goal was to get 3,000 dojos by 2020. How, how is that going to be achievable or work? So we're actually already over 2,000 dojos and we're, we're well on our way to 3,000 hopefully by the, next, by the end of next year. So um, anyone can start a dojo. So we're looking for parents, for IT professionals, librarians to really kick off a, a dojo in their community, but also working with companies like Accenture. Mm-hmm. This year we partnered on a project, um, a growth partner project. Yeah. So Accenture are one of our growth partners, one of the most successful uh, with many dojos worldwide. Um, and what we look for is other organizations who want to put the power of digital making into young people's hands and set up dojos in their offices. Or if they are local NGOs, then they might want to set up in their local community. Um, so really what we're looking for is any individuals, but also companies who want to get started and start a dojo to help us achieve that mission together, definitely. And it, that company could, could decide to offer you a venue for the use or, or staff to help you with it. Anything they can, help, they can give you will be useful. Exactly. So um, what we do in different countries, in some places in the UK, we match venues with volunteers. So we have a big volunteer database. And what we try and do is match, for example, local libraries or um, or companies with volunteers. Um, Otherwise, what we try and do is we, you know, get venues to look for their own volunteers. So Accenture have done it that way, where they look within their own employee base, find someone who's really passionate and enthusiastic to really take the lead. And Maria in the Dublin Doc Dojo is just absolutely fantastic. She's a person, if you could replicate her (laughs) in thousands of locations. Cloning Maria would be fantastic. In four years' time, you'll have 20 Marias around around Ireland. It could be an alternative way to meet our growth targets, you know. (laughs) Um, But really what we look for is those enthusiastic people who really wanted to get something started in their community, and then they can bring in other volunteers with different skills. You don't have to be technical to start a dojo, and I think that's really important to know. We have lots and lots of free content online that people can use and get started with straight away. Um, It's step by step. You can either stay one lesson ahead of the kids, or you can just let them kind of run wild and what Julie said the organized chaos of a dojo is often something that you strive for actually to get kids to be more creative and so yeah either that I think it's really about that person so really if you if you identify with that in yourself you know that you're enthusiastic you want to give back to your community and you're passionate about kids learning about technology because that is the future and that is you know one of the skills that they need to know then they should definitely start a dojo and one of the things that, that we've done with Kurdo Dojo in the last year, I guess, because we've found, um, we learned a lot as we yeah. scaled from one to now, hopefully, fingers crossed, this year, we'll, you know, we'll get to 40 dojos. Uh, we've learned a lot along that journey. And I guess what we did then you know, with Kurdo Dojo is we documented almost what's a toolkit yeah. for actually expanding your number of dojos. Because there are many ingredients that come into it. I mean, it's getting your right volunteers and your mentors. It's keeping them engaged over time as yeah. well. Um, you know, it, it's about how do you work with the local community and get the right um, kids in and keep those engaged as well. It's about knowing how to use the content that's in the broader community, but also creating your own community and sending that back into the content. Um, and it's also about how do you pitch this? To, you know, if you get one person in an organization that's interested in doing this, how do you pitch this to the organization? So what we did is we worked with Coda Dojo you know, on this sort of growth partner toolkit 
Um, and then we approached some of our sort of big global alliance partners and some of our big global clients. You know, along with Coder Dojo, we looked at you know who might be most interested to do this. And we just found it, it, you know, it's 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 rarely that you go and knock on a door and everybody says, yes, I'm going to have that conversation. Yeah. And we just found the doors were open to come have a conversation. Um, and probably one of the early successes I think we've had collectively together is working with Salesforce. And I think um, you know, when, when you, so Cyril Tracy, who's a VP in Salesforce here locally, actually was involved in Coder Dojo early on, but somehow he found they lost momentum. But when we knocked on the door and said, come and come talk to you for what was originally, I think, a half hour meeting, two hours yeah. later, we're still talking about, about the detail. And Cyril immediately said, ah, okay, so, so Coder Dojo has grown a lot since I was involved with them first. And the fact that Accenture was there advocating for Coder Dojo together actually meant a lot. And we've actually done a lot with Salesforce since. So our um, our dojos, they have a dojo in Spain. We have a dojo yeah. in Spain. So we're actually um, sharing mentors. They have a dojo here, actually, which is with the school. We have our dojo. And we're actually looking to do a mini um, sort of science expo yeah. together. Um, but what we find is that Cyril calls it slingshotting. You know, we learn something, we give it to them. They learn something, they give it to yeah. us. So we keep sort of pushing each other forward. And, and we collectively at their recent Dreamforce actually uh, co-wrote an article between the three organizations that was in their sort of magazine at Dreamforce that went yeah. to a lot of their partners. So you will infiltrate, I think, as time goes on. And I think that toolkit, you know, there's dialogue happening with other corporates through us. But I know you've taken that to your you know, community partners and not-for-profits as well. Yeah, so it's been really a fantastic collaboration to make this kind of collateral that we can bring to other partners and say this is how it can be done this is how you can scale the model of Kuro Dojo so we work with a lot of non-profits in different regions particularly in um in Kenya in um Australia we have a lot of these kind of growth partners so they take the idea of Kuro Dojo and they set up multiples in their area um so using the example of of Accenture and how they've scaled um we brought that toolkit to these partners to really help them grow in yeah. a sustainable way I think that's really important um, as Julie said it's about retention as well as, as yeah. growth so keeping those dojos for a long time is really important to us as well and to me a big company was once to get more involved in CSR because this is a way of doing it you can tell like this is a way of, of getting your junior CSR yeah. without having to do much as such I mean we do all the planning for you and help you set it up exactly and you begin back to, to, to the community yeah and, and then you mean almost once you're in the Coder Dojo Club and you have yeah. your own dojo there's a broader community of other dojos that are all learning from each other all yeah. the time and we found the power of that to be quite significant um, and even when we were thinking about setting it up we went to other dojos and others have come to us since so there's always this collective everybody wants everybody else to succeed yeah. and to expand that, that I think is, is a lot of the power of something like like the concept of a Coder Dojo yeah, well, to me it's basically a world beyond, beyond language because yeah. you get different countries to come together yeah. And 30 years ago, I couldn't see that happening, but now I'm seeing it more so, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you see a lot at, at Coast Projects again, to come back to that. Um, last year, we had 15 countries entry, enter, so yeah. kids were flying from Japan, mm -hmm. Argentina, all across Europe. Uh, to come and bring their project and showcase it. But most of that is really about the community because they're like, oh, I met a kid from Romania last year and I really want to see them again, see where they've got to with their project. And, yeah. um, and that, that sense of being part of one network community, but across the world where you might not have actually a, an in-person touch point yeah. um, is really fantastic. And then you have the local kind of cooperation. I know 
that we run a dojo in our co-working space, Dogpatch Labs. And I know a lot of the kids who go to that, sometimes they'll go to the dock on a Monday. Yeah. Mm. They'll go to the dojo at Riot Games on a Tuesday and then they'll come to Dogpatch Labs on a Wednesday. <laughs> and they're just really, you know, enthusiastic and excited to be somewhere that they can learn and then meet all these kind of friends and I can see like a small pack of them they just yeah. kind of do this circuit yeah, yeah. every couple of weeks um, and they're just building towards learning more skills and they have different mentors at each of these dojos that they can connect with um, so it's not just for the adults that it's a community you know for the volunteers but also for those kids they yeah. get to share and, and know that someone actually is part of their community but might be on the other side of the world when maybe they're the only person in their school that, that has learned how to code so that aspect of knowing and seeing that community is really important. Well, to me, it's like years ago, when I was growing up, oh, I would see this nerd, because I, I love computers, and I love Dungeons and Dragons, and people thought, oh, you're a nerd. But nowadays, Kodoji is letting you go and express that with other people mm-hmm. like that, which is great. Yeah. And you don't feel like, yeah, because I wasn't that good at sports, so I don't feel like, oh, you're not good at sports, what are you? Now you can do this, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skills. I think having having that social aspect is really, really important. Um, to be an after school club and to mm-hmm. be somewhere that mm-hmm. kids can come and feel feel themselves is yeah. really important. Um, and it's also extremely important as coding becomes comes onto the curriculum. Really, you know, in Ireland we have thirty eight schools piloting the Leaving Cert. Uh, computer science curriculum at the yeah. minute hopefully that will be spread to every school across Ireland is, is you know our wish and we can see Cutter Dojo sitting complementary to that so the kids who really want to keep doing it and, and explore it as a hobby I actually went and visited um, the first ever dojo in Cork and you see a lot of the kids who are now beyond 18 they come back to that dojo and they mentor but they yeah. also actually get help and support on their college projects or the projects that they're working on in their spare time outside of work and it, and that is really important that mm-hmm. it becomes a social thing as well as a learning opportunity yeah because I think at a young age you're told when you're very young if you learn a second language it's going to help your life now mm-hmm. I think computing should be this case that you should be able to know more than your parents do about computing that's how I do. that's what I think yeah. so when you're yeah. 16 you know more than your parents do yeah and they come to you for advice, and then you think, oh, wow, I'm a man in the family now. Or, I'm the, uh, or if you're a woman, you go, wow, oh, I know what my dad does. And you can feel proud of that. Yeah. I think it's probably worth talking about girls and this yeah. whole space as well. Um, I mean, as we know, there are less women in you know, uh, STEM, science, technology, yeah. engineering, and maths. And I think Coda Dojo have been really clever about this and how to engage girls early on. Um, and I think your global stats are about 33% of your... Um, uh, the ninjas are, are girls and, and I know in our dojo here locally we've managed to get to 40% and it's hovered between 40 and 45 and, and I think we talk about community there we talk about collaboration uh, those things actually can be much more important to girls than they yeah. can be for, to boys so that sense of belonging that sense of uh, you know not so much what I'm doing but who else is going to be there yeah. that is so much more important so that sense of really making it a space to come is really important um, and I know you've talked, I remember the first time I met Bill Yao, he was talking about, um, it's about role models. And it's not necessarily about the, the girls seeing role models, you know, who are in their 20s as mentors, but it's the girls a few years uh, older. Um, so we had um, uh, Ruby and Zara, who were EU Digital Girl of the Year, jointly yeah. in the under 10 category two years ago. And they, the, the, they're 
introduction to anything to do with technology was coming to a dojo and they actually came to our very first dojo and a combination of them being enthusiastic frankly their parents supporting it yeah. and them actually loving the dojo we had an amazing mentor at that point in time who was mentoring robotics and that was it for them they just connected with her and then became EU digital girl year yeah. under 10 category I mean it's crazy to think about it um, and my they, they came back they've been in Belgium they came back with their prize and the two of them presented in front of 40 people at the top of the dojo and my daughter was with me that day and there were nine and she was eight mm. and they presented and she whispered me, to me at the end I want to be like them yeah and you just go that's it that's the moment that it happens and she went into coolest yeah. projects the next year partially based on I want to be like them so I, I think the the, the female part of STEM and encouraging girls, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the research says that girls switch off quite early. Yeah. So the more we can encourage it really early on, the better. And the, 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 the way in which girls and boys learn is diff different. And I think Coder Dojo have been very clever about um, almost making something for everybody. And, uh, you know, and better than the, the, the mentors, as you set up your dojo and the champions, about thinking about that from a gender balance perspective and thinking about how to make it interesting for everybody. I think well, it's really I, important. I think back basically to a Lovelace, the world's first computer program yeah, yeah. was FEMA. Yep. And back in World War II, when Americans were using computers, all the main brains were behind it, but, but they were never actually uh, recognized. Yep. And then when NASA was going to the, to, into space and the moon, women were, were, were behind a lot of it. But of course, at that time, they couldn't be recognized, whereas now they can be. Yeah. So if you, you, you can say, well, the first problem was a woman in Lovelace. Mal would have got to the moon if it hadn't been for women. Yeah. Blessed Park, a lot of the women there yeah, were, yeah, were exactly, women. Exactly. Exactly. They wouldn't have done that. Exactly, yeah. And if you, if you, if you look at uh, uh, stuff, anything on that, every time you see a movie based on Blessed Park or anything else like that, and you're seeing this, you're seeing behind every great man there's a woman who's not, who's not well recognized or known, but without them, the men can do what they did. But I think I think Julie touched on a really, really important point. It's not just about these kind of big scale role models. Yeah. It's also about mm -hmm. the daily real role oh, models agree, that yeah. you have in life. So <clears throat> your teacher, um, your parents, um, careers, coaches and guidance, mentors at Coder Dojo, yep. um, if and, and your peers actually really, really importantly. So um those those girls who are maybe one or two years above you who are pursuing this and and kind of go to college and study computer science, those are really really important real real role models that you need to embed and we need to think about that when we're we're yeah, looking at education we're looking at Coder yeah. Dojo particularly it's something that we really focus on how can we get more female volunteers how can we encourage more moms to volunteer yeah. actually yeah. To, to kind of get beyond maybe those fears of I'm not technical or yeah. Yeah. even if they are sometimes it, it's it's just that kind of taking that step into being a volunteer and a mentor can be difficult and um, so I think it's really important to encourage that and also getting the young women who are already involved uh, to peer mentor and peer mentoring is an absolute cornerstone of, mm -hmm. of Coder Dojo mm -hmm. it's yeah. really really important that other young people are teaching other young people and even if that's in a really informal way you know we have a rule ask three then me so you ask three people around you you maybe do a google search and you work together with your friend on that and then you might ask the mentor yeah. so looking around you for support and help and guidance is really important and particularly when it comes to to girls and, and having that sense of belonging yeah, yeah. Agreed. Accenture has actually just completed another round of our STEM research and actually we're, we're releasing it later this week but uh, just it, interesting to see some of the stats from that. It's like it's called What's Now for STEM. We've interviewed uh, 500 people so it's 
parents of primary and secondary school teachers, uh, of primary and secondary school students, teachers, primary and secondary yep. school, and then um, uh, students between 16 and 18. Uh, and it's interesting, just some of the stats here, but, but half of the students think they're not being taught the correct subjects to succeed in the workplace. Really interesting. Two-thirds of teachers and just over half of students agree that the STEM uh, subject curriculum is too hard and takes up too much time, which is sort of interesting. And 86% of students um, believe that work experience is really important and almost bridging the gap between the classroom and the workplace. Yeah. Some, some really interesting things, which will lead, obviously, to a whole... You know, a set of additional things and some of these are generic and boys and girls but actually some of them uh, around girls you were talking about role models so a sense of seeing more role models um, you know, practical STEM training and experience yeah. you know maybe cementing formalizing work experience within transition year um, and it also talks about that collaboration and diverse thinking as well as the pure technology end of things so I think uh, I think we've a long way to go in, in, in Ireland to continue to bridge that gap, but with the you know underrepresented underrepresentation of, of women in STEM. But I think we're also seeing broader gaps developing yeah. uh, between school and the workplace. Um, you know, as the the you know so so many of our kids now in school are going to be doing jobs that haven't been invented. So that continuous thinking and learning and growth mindset and agility and creative thinking and problem solving, Rosa, you talked about earlier. I think there's so much more we need to do to be to be bridging that gap. Yeah. So before we finish up, anything else we know the podcast or is that it? Have we had it you spoke enough about what you guys are doing? Yeah, I think we've covered everything, yeah. Yep. All right, thanks. Th- thanks very much for that. And uh, just before we uh, finish it off, I just want to think that uh, thank you for Julianne Spillan, thank you for Rosa um, uh, Langhammer, and uh, good luck away in the future, and hopefully you hit your hybrid if you doesn't go dojos. And I guarantee that probably will be increased to 5,000 one day. Great. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.